thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. It is uh, lovely to be with you. Uh, as I've been introduced, my name is Phil and uh, I am a barrel lad and uh, I'm actually uh, a lad from this church in, in about four incarnations back, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I grew up uh, in this church, uh, and uh, it is really lovely to be with you. At present, I'm a Baptist minister, and I'm in Hartlepool, which is basically Barrow on the East Coast. Uh, similar sort of place, similar sort of uh, history, and uh, similar sort of people, really, similar sort of issues. Uh, I'm here with my wife, Margaret. We have three grown-up children who are all married, and we have two little granddaughters who are not so little anymore, because the one of them is nearly eight next week, so... Uh, but it is great, uh, it is a privilege, I love being here with you, it's great, even more people than last time when I was here in January 2020, so don't know what you've been doing over lockdown, but it must have been good, um, so um, uh, it uh, is a privilege to be with you this morning. So, uh, I have uh, three Bible readings uh, for you this morning as uh, we conclude the series that you've been doing on the names of God. And the first one is going to come from Genesis chapter 16, and uh, I'm going to read verses 7 to 15, just a little bit of background to this. So this is the story of Hagar and Ishmael, and uh, this is where Abraham and Sarah uh, are very old. God's promised them a child, but that child has not materialized. And so actually within what would have been permitted in their day, the idea was that you gave your slave or your servant to your husband, and if uh, she produced a child, then that would be counted as your, the son of uh, that family of Sarah, in fact. Um, so that's what they tried to do, but this plan kind of goes wrong uh, because there's all sorts of humans involved in this. So this is where we get to. Uh, Hagar's run away, and verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur, and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered, and then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram, Abram a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Okay, so that's the first one. Second reading is going to be in uh, Psalm, Psalm 33, verses 13 to 15. Psalm 33, 13 to 15. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. 
From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. And then, perhaps the best-known passage on what God sees is uh, the story of the anointing of David, and that's in 1 Samuel chapter 16, so I'm going to read that. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Saul said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and had handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for your word, and uh, we know it's a living word, and we pray that now through the presence and the powerful work of your Holy Spirit, you will cause this, uh, these passages to come alive to us and to speak into our hearts and into our lives this morning. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, among um, the number of hobbies that I have, I'm a keen bird watcher, and that's probably going to make you think he's a bit sad. But uh, I have to tell you, I've got news for you, that actually this is the only hobby that is commanded by Jesus. Jesus actually said in the Sermon on the Mount, look at the birds. Uh, and, and so therefore, I am pursuing the only biblically ordained hobby. But the thing with, the thing with uh, birds is that they are beautiful and they are amazing. And one of the most amazing things about birds is their eyes. They, they, they have incredible eyesight. Uh, and uh, let me just illustrate that. Did you know that ducks can spot a predator behind them? Because their peripheral vision is so good that they can actually see something flying from behind uh, so that they can get out of the way of it. Did you know that birds can see up to 10 more colors than human beings can see? Now, I don't understand how they can prove that, but uh, that's the fact that birds actually are able to see more colors of the spectrum than human beings are, Ten, at least up to 10 more colors. 
And one of the most amazing things, because the, the bird that I most uh, admire is the golden eagle. And one of the things about eagles is that their eyesight is eight times better than a human being. Do you know that an eagle can focus on a rabbit two miles away? Birds have absolutely incredible eyesight. They see in incredible ways. And this morning, in the last of your series on the names of God, Johnny has asked me to speak on El Roy. And I can't promise that that's how it should be pronounced, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it, um, that God sees. In fact, this name is used only once, and it's used in the passage in Genesis 16 that Hagar, uh, about Hagar. But the idea that God sees and sees us is present throughout the whole of the Bible. And you'll have hopefully been impressed by these incredible things that birds can see, but that's nothing compared to what God can see. When we uh, read the psalm, Psalm 33, it says in these verses that God sees all mankind. God sees all mankind, all of the, whatever it is, seven billion people on earth. The psalmist says, God sees everyone. He watches all who live on earth, that psalm says. He watches all who live on earth. And he considers everything that they do. That's an incredible claim that the Bible is making about God. And if you think, if you've got kind of like a small idea of who God is, just contemplate that notion that God can see every person and see what every person is doing. So don't imagine it's like that God's got like a satellite view. You know, one of those satellite views where basically you can see everything, but really you're seeing nothing. Because I think sometimes I wonder if we're, we're a bit like that. We kind of think that God can see everything, but really he sees nothing. Because it's so big, there's so many people all moving around like ants that he can't possibly notice what I'm up to or what you're up to. Actually, do you remember, I don't even know if they still do this, I'm sure Johnny will know, but um, you know on Sky Football where they used to have the personal player cam, I don't know if they still do it, where you could, you know, you could choose your player and uh, just focus in on them for the whole of the match. I don't know why in the world you would want to do that. But, uh, well, I suppose, you know, if you're sporting Man United at the moment, you might want to do that, just focus in on Ronaldo and hope. But, you know, imagine a personal player cam. God sees both everything that's going on. He sees the satellite view, but he also, at the same time, has a personal, this sounds very threatening, doesn't it? A personal cam, like, on you. He sees you, he sees what you're doing, and he sees what... <laughs> What's going on everywhere? And he sees everyone individually. And according to Psalm 139 and verse 16, he has seen us since we were formed in our mother's womb. He's seen us since we were formed in our mother's womb. Even when we were the tiniest little fetus, we were seen by God. And this is the power of Hagar's testimony as we read about it in Genesis 16. And it's actually quite an obscure passage, and I'm sure it's not one on which you've heard many sermons, and only part of my sermons on it, to be honest. But, and in many ways, Hagar's just a minor character in the Bible. But there are some significant features in the story. Firstly, she's actually the first person ever to receive an angelic visitor. So she's got quite a, 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 a classic in itself is a claim to fame. But actually, she, even more significantly than that, she's the only person in the whole of the Old Testament who gives a name to God. 
All the, all the other names that you will have been considering in this series are the names that God reveals himself by. But in this story in Genesis 16, Hagar gives a name to God. Elroy, God sees, is Hagar's response to her experience of God. She gives a name to God because she has experienced something of God. To her utter astonishment and delight, she realizes that God has seen her. That's her encounter on the roadside. God has seen me. A runaway slave girl who's getting away from this, uh, this uh, a cruel relationship that she's experiencing. And God has seen her and noticed her. God has a message for her and he has a purpose for her. And so she says, Elroy, the God who sees, the God who sees me. And it's that thought that I want to develop, that God sees you and he sees me. And perhaps the best known story of God seeing is found in 1 Samuel 16. It's the staple of Sunday school. I'm sure, you know, I went to a lot of children's meetings in this previous incarnation of Spring Mount. Uh, A lot of children's meetings, my dad was leading half of them, I have to be honest. Um, uh, But this is one of those stories that got told about how God God sees. And so the story goes that God has rejected Saul as king and he sends Samuel to Bethlehem to Jesse uh, with a specific instruction to identify and anoint a new king. And Jesse brings out seven of his sons uh, for Samuel to inspect. And Samuel sees Eliab. And Eliab, who is the eldest son, he is tall and he is handsome and he looks like he could handle himself in a fight, and he immediately thinks, here is the one. But in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16, God said to Samuel, famous verse, that God, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. A more literal translation would read, For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man sees according to the eyes, but the Lord sees according to the heart. God sees from his heart. We see from our eyes, but God sees from his heart. Did you know that it is observably true that the more beautiful or handsome you are considered to be, the more you are favored? People, it's it's true that if people are considered to be beautiful or handsome, and this guy down here is nodding, <laughs> the, the, the more people favor you. It's, it just is true. God is not moved or impressed by the things that impress us. He sees differently. He sees from his heart. And often we read this verse and assume that it means that God sees our hidden qualities. That uh, God saw something in David and thought, oh, that, that you know, David's that, this guy who I've just got to, uh, to, to, to work with because there's something in him that's very special and precious. That God sees what we're really like. And of course, that's true. He does. But if, is that really good news for us? <laughs> Do you really want to be judged on what God sees on the inside of you? Because I don't know about you, but I'm a bit like the Hulk. You won't like me if you could see the inside of me. This bit that I can project to you, you know, I might get away with. But if you saw what was on the inside of me, you might not be so impressed. 
And what this verse actually means when it says a man after God's own heart is a man that God has set his heart upon. A man that God has set his heart upon. What set David apart wasn't something in David, it was something in the heart of God. That God had set his heart on David. That God had set his heart on using David with a purpose. So what set David apart was not the place that God had in his heart, but the place that David had in God's heart. Now isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that this morning... You're, accept, you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're accepted not because of what's in your heart, but because of what's in God's heart. Because of what God has done for you, what he's given to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. When God sees you, he sets his heart upon you. He sets his heart upon you. And this is what Hagar discovered as she rested by the roadside, that God had set his heart upon her. Abraham and Sarah would desert her, but God had promised to bless her and to protect her and her child. Uh, last night I was uh, reading a book called Seven Sacred Spaces, and I uh, just came across this just after I'd been going through this sermon and thinking about it. And this is what the author wrote about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this about Jesus, it's not so much that we found faith in him as he found us. And he chose us before we chose him. God has set his heart upon us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus sees us and chooses us. At, um, a couple of weeks ago, in, actually in my church in Hartlepool, we had the NBA assembly, and it's as exciting as it sounds. But there were some really good stories, and there was this lovely story that came out of a very ordinary church up in Newcastle called Heaton Baptist Church. And... Uh, they, uh, they, they'd been through lockdown, and uh, the, the minister reported that this uh, lady came to see him when the church began to open up again, and she said, to, and she said um, we would like to come to this church. Would you mind if we started coming to this church? And she said, well, yeah. well, as you do, you can say, yeah, of course you can come to the church. I bet you've never turned anyone away, Johnny, have you? He said, can we come to your church? And uh, she said, well, this is what happened, she said. During lockdown, I had a dream, and Jesus appeared to me in the dream, and he said to me, buy a Bible and read it. So she didn't have a Bible in the house. So she ordered one on Amazon, got a Bible, started to read it, became a Christian. Then she told her partner about it. He started to read the Bible. He became a Christian. Both of them turned up at this church, Heaton Baptist Church. A little bit later on, uh, down the line, um, they came back to the pastor and they said to him, I've been reading this Bible, we think we need to get baptised. A few weeks later, they came back to him and said, we've been reading the Bible, we think we need to get married. Will you marry us? All of this, because Jesus saw. Jesus saw, set his heart upon them. And that's what it is for us. This is the assurance that we have, that we belong to Jesus. You are seen. Do you know that? You are seen by God. He has set his heart upon you. A prayer that I regularly pray is that I would see the world as God sees the world, that I would see people as God sees people, and I would then act as God would act, and I would speak as God would speak in those situations. And in Matthew 9, verse 36, we read that when Jesus saw the crowd... 
He had compassion on them, on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus was on earth, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He saw in a way that I suspect we don't see. Margaret and I have been in London this week and a couple of nights we've been to the theatre and one of the evenings we were there quite early. And, and you know, I, I just like watching people. I'm, I'm a people watcher. And so I'm like sat there watching people. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to work out their stories. And I'm looking at them and I'm making all kinds of judgments. You wouldn't like me on the inside. <laughs> and I thought about this. I thought, you know, Jesus looked at the crowd. What did he see? He saw he had compassion on them. He saw people who were <laughs> like sheep without a shepherd, who were helpless and lost. And what Jesus saw deeply moved him, and it led to the sending out of the disciples on mission. Matthew 9 is followed by Matthew 10, the sending out of the disciples. He saw, and he sent them out. God sees us and he wants us to learn to see like he sees. He wants us to see the world as he sees it. He wants us to see others as he sees them. To see beneath the surface and to see the lostness and brokenness of the people around us. When we see as God sees and we feel as God feels, we act as God would act. And we go out with the good news of Jesus Christ. We go because you know we want other people to see that God has set his heart on them. So I just want to finish by thinking about how we learn to see the world as God sees the world. How do we do that? Well, the first thing, and, the, and, and one of the main things, is we've got to immerse ourselves in the Bible. This, this is God's revelation, and this helps us not only to see who God is, but it helps us to see how God sees and how God reacts and responds to the world. We need to uh, immerse ourselves in this book. We've got to go big, and we've got to go small when we come to God's Word. It's really good to set ourselves the goal of reading the whole Bible. I don't really mind how quickly you do that. You know, you might take a year, two years, three years. Just go, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to read every little bit of it. And, and then when you've done it, start again. Do it again and keep on doing it. Because that's the way to really go big and immerse ourselves in, in the scripture, is to read it. I think you do a course, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's advertised on the notice sheet, that gives you an overview of the Bible. So you should be doing that. And that'll help you to be able to engage with God's word because we have to, we have to be uh, those who are really familiar with the whole of what the Bible teaches and says. But we also need to go small. We need to learn how to take a verse or part of a verse, a word, a phrase, and chew over it and let it become part of us. That's it. You go big, go small, but we need that word to shape and form us if we want to see the world as God sees it. And then the second thing is that we need to see Jesus. We need to really see Jesus. We need to focus on him, gaze on him, and stay close to him. But the Bible says that when we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. When we stay close to him, then we're going to learn to love what he loves and feel the compassion that he feels. We stay close through time with him in prayer. We stay close as we live obediently to him, doing what he tells us in his word. We need to be those who love the gospels, love the stories of Jesus, 
Because that's where he's revealed. And I, I don't know about you, but I, when I read the Gospels, sometimes I'm comforted and I think, yeah, Jesus, you're so amazing. And sometimes I think, Jesus, you're so scary. What you're, what you're saying here, what you're teaching, what you're illustrating is so challenging. It's so uh, fundamentally <laughs> difficult for me to get hold of and grasp and put into practice in my life. But Lord Jesus, I need to follow you. I need to serve you. We see him in the Gospels, and the Holy Spirit, of course, is given. You know, Jesus in, in, in John, in John 14, 15, 16, talks about how he's going to send another comforter, one who is like him to be alongside us. The Holy Spirit is like Jesus. He, he's going to bring the, the presence and the savor of Jesus to us and into our lives. So this is how I would say, Immerse yourself in scripture, gaze on Jesus, stay close to him. Our middle daughter, Ruth, was very small. Her birthday's on August the 29th. When she started school, she was tinsy. You know, she was absolutely tinsy. She didn't look like she belonged at school. And so she, um, when, I, when I used to go in and, and see the teachers, at, to teach her, you know, those parent evenings, um, the teachers told me, that she could sometimes disappear from the classroom. And then sometime down the line, he would notice that she wasn't there. <laughs> and then he would go looking for her and try and find her. Uh, and she, he would find her some kind, he found her in the book space, which is always a good sign. I, I thought she's a girl after a dad's heart. And uh, she was kind of invisible. She could just disappear. And I suspect I suspect that there are people here this morning and for much of your life you just felt like you're invisible, <laughs> that no one sees you. And I suspect that actually at times all of us have a sense, no one sees me. You know, we, we were walking around London and there were thousands and thousands of people that we passed, but I suspect that actually no one saw us. It was like we were invisible. <laughs> No one saw us, no one noticed, no one was interested that we were there, and perhaps that's how we feel our life is. But I didn't want to say to you that this morning the message of the God who sees is that you are seen, that you are seen by the Lord God Almighty, and that when he sees you, he sets his heart upon you, and that he loves you, and he... <laughs> delights in you and he has a purpose for you and he thinks you're special. And that's the message, I think, that the God who sees every, everything sees you and he sees me and he sets his heart upon us. Amen. Let's uh, just pause for a moment and I'll pray and then Johnny's going to take over. Just uh, allow the Holy Spirit of God, just be aware that he's here. Perhaps just wants to impress one thing upon you this morning, one thing that he wants you to remember and take hold of.
Lord, this morning I just particularly want to pray for anyone who thinks to themselves, no one sees me, no one takes notice of me. Lord, and I want to pray that in these moments, through you, Holy Spirit, just that you would enable them to know that they are seen by you, that you have set your heart upon them. Lord, that you would reveal in a, a fresh way to them this morning just how precious and just how loved they are by you. So, Lord, in your grace, we pray that you will minister to us, your people. Lord, thank you that you see us. And thank you that you've set your heart upon us. Amen.